12 News, this is Newsmakers. The 2021 legislative session wrapped up with its normal flurry of last-minute bills and approval of a $13.1 billion state budget, but not in the stack of legislation approved by lawmakers. Legalized recreational marijuana is legal cannabis on ice for another year, or will lawmakers return in the fall to tackle the issue in a special legislative session? Welcome to Newsmakers. I'm Tim White alongside 12 News Politics Editor Ted Nisi and our guests this week to talk about the end of the 2021 General Assembly session is Senate President Dominic Ruggiero and Senate Majority Leader Michael McCaffrey. Gentlemen, it's good to have you back in studio. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. Our Thanks maiden, for inviting us. Our maiden voyage without social distance. <laughs> yes, it's good to be back. It uh, feels good. Yeah. feels good. <laughs> um, let's start there. Let's get, let's get this conversation um, out of the way, I guess. First, uh, you, Senate President, your chamber passed a, a bill to legalize recreational marijuana. Uh, but House Speaker Joe Shikarchi made it very clear it wasn't going to happen by the end of the uh, regular session. Did that disappoint you? Uh, actually, no. Uh, what we really wanted to do was send it over, have them take a look at it. There's some competing uh, pro uh, proposals. Uh, the governor has one. Uh, the House has one. And we always do it was something that we were not going to do uh, during this session. But hopefully we can sit down during the summer and uh, work something out and uh, when we, it, if and when we come back in the fall, which I know we probably will because we have to do judges, I don't know what the House is going to do, but hopefully if we work something out, uh, they might be amenable to coming back and addressing that particular issue. Well, you have to, you have to be talking to the House Speaker about that. How confident are you that, that that's going to happen in the fall? And we, we're talking September, possibly, right? Yes, after, I would say well after Labor Day. Uh, we've had discussions, uh, nothing, there's no fixed date or anything like that. Uh, obviously, we want to see what kind of money comes in from the federal government, which has nothing to do with this particular issue. Uh, but that's why we would come back and see uh, what money we would have to appropriate. And I think that would be a good time uh, to address uh, the cannabis issue. Uh, Jory Lee, you've led the charge for leadership on the marijuana issue, and there's been there's a dis there's a disagreement right now between the Senate bill wants to use a cannabis control commission to regulate marijuana, which mm -hmm. is kind of how they do it in Massachusetts, mm -hmm. pretty much, and the governor still wants to do it out of the Department of Business Regulation. Uh, the, the speaker actually mentioned that on the show last week uh, that, mm -hmm. that that's a that's a disagreement. Why is the Senate? so intent on going with a commission instead of just keeping it where the medical marijuana is at the Department but, of Business. As you know, we started in last November working on this issue and got information from a number of states that already do have legalization of uh, marijuana. We uh, looked at different states and we came to the conclusion that a separate commission is the way to go with respect to this. It, 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 DBR, we saw how they rolled out the initial uh, medical marijuana. There were a lot of issues there that... Uh, bumped up along the way that had to be addressed and things of that nature. Also, with respect to the legislation itself, the House did put a bill in late in the session, so, I mean, it was difficult to uh, negotiate on a bill when the House bill really didn't come until late in the session. As a point man on this, how, how optimistic are you that those, the, you know, the three sides of disagreements can be overcome and you can get something that becomes law this year? That's what our goal is, to do that. Look, we have... Connecticut just passed it this past legislative session. Massachusetts is, has had it for a while. Obviously, there's some issues that different uh, people have relative to different categories of licenses and things like that and how we're rolling them out, how are we going to lim limit them, what type of equity are we going to give to the different pe people in different communities so that they can get into the business and, and social equity and things of that nature. 
Yeah, I got to ask you, just stick with you, Leader McCaffrey, and this. This is your bill along with uh, uh, Senator Miller. It was Senator Miller's bill. I was a co-sponsor oh, of you, it. Thank <laughs> you. I appreciate that. Um, you know, I was just reading it. It, 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 it. If I read it right, it calls for up to 130 shops in the state. Mm -hmm. You know, that just seems like a lot of well, pot uh, shops, uh, you know, I for mean, one we, state. We, we initially had more in there, but first of all, you have to say, are the communities going to want the shops in their community? There may be a handful of cities and towns that vote have voted vote not to have it in their community, so that reduces the number of Do you shops. Explain that real quick for people at home, because there might be uh, people watching this program that say, "Look, I don't uh, want a, a marijuana shop in my community." Yeah, Communities can opt yeah. out. Once once the legislation is passed, in whatever form it's passed, in, the communities have an opportunity to opt out. And it's done by a, a, a ballot. The next election that comes up, they have an opportunity to opt out. If the community doesn't want to participate in it, that's their decision. However, they don't get the uh, funds that would come from the community, the sales in that community. And you expect any marijuana compromise bill that comes law would have an opt-out for the cities and towns? That's what our goal, because it was an issue that was raised that we want to make sure that the cities and towns have an opportunity to opt out. Uh, Senate President, you guys passed a lot of bills, and you passed a lot of bills early on in the session. Was that a result of the, the change in the governor's office? We have a new governor as well as a new House speaker. Well, what do you attribute that to? Well, first of all, let's, let's back up a little. Uh, let's go back to 2020. Uh, we did a budget. Do we have to? <laughs> <laughs> uh, verbally. Okay. Uh, Obviously, we, we couldn't meet like we normally meet, and uh, what we had to do, uh, we did what we call the skinny budget. We put a lot of bonds uh, on, on, on the ballot uh, for November uh, because interest rates were low, and mm -hmm. we figured this is one of the ways that we're going to get out of this uh, situation once the economy, once, once the pandemic uh, calms down, and once uh, you know, we'll get back on our feet and hopefully get the economy back to where it was. Uh, then a number of things happened. Obviously, uh, the governor, she was leaving. Uh, she took, uh, took a position. Uh, we had passed the budget in December. Uh, the budget was not submitted in 2021 until March, which is very unusual, only because we usually submit that. It's usually submitted by the governor mm -hmm. in January. So I, I can't say enough good things about our finance committee, and I mean the Senate's finance committee and also the House's finance committee, to tackle that budget with the money coming in, uh, not knowing the uncertainty of everything, uh, they did an absolutely phenomenal job. And obviously, uh, we got out at, at a time that uh, that we focused on uh, the end of uh, the end of June, the beginning of July. Uh, so I can't say enough good things about the finance committees of both chambers as far as the work that they did, and they worked very closely together. We passed a lot of bills. We passed fifteen dollar minimum wage. Uh, we passed a, a a funding source for affordable housing. Uh, we passed. Uh, uh, body cameras. We passed, uh, I mean, uh, there's, there's so many pieces that uh, I tend to forget them sometimes until mm -hmm. someone brings them up to us. Uh, we had a great session. We started early. And obviously it was difficult because we were working, uh, the Senate was working from two different locations. Some of our people were at the State House. Uh, some of our people were at Rhode Island College. And it was a little, logistically, it was a little difficult. Uh, however, I think uh, that uh, uh, between the staff and the senators, uh, the cooperation that we had, the, the committee meetings, things of that nature, we had to basically change the whole way we operated. And it was a little... It was but a little Senate President, you, going back to Tim's point, you, uh, you've been up there a long time. You know people, the personalities matter up there. And you had a new governor and a new House Speaker, but the same Senate President. So you were the one who saw what the rooms were like last year and the year before, et cetera, and this year. Is, is it feel different with the new, with the new regime? 
Uh, it, it is different, obviously. Whenever you get a change of, uh, of a governor and uh, a new speaker, uh, there are different personalities involved. Uh, I have to say this. I've known Joe Sakachi for 20, 25 years uh, when he worked with Bruce Sondland. Uh, I think he was excellent uh, as far as what he did. He really picked up the baton when it came to the, uh, uh, the skinny budget because that's really when he started getting the real handle on budget. Uh, and after that, he was abs absolutely great. He worked very closely with us. We've met on numerous occasions, uh, both the Speaker, uh, the Governor, and myself, uh, to discuss I uh, the issues. And I think the way it, uh, this session went, uh, I haven't seen that since I've been up in that building. Is it easier? I just have to ask, just being honest, there was, there was consistently tension between Governor Raimondo and Speaker Mattiello. And often, at times, you had to be the peacemaker uh, among the three of you. Is it easier because there, you're not kind of navigating a, a fractured relationship between the other two when you're in those kind of meetings? Well, it's, it's, easy, to, it's easy to work with two other people who aren't at each other's throats. So, uh, <laughs> it, so it, it is easier. Uh, like I said, I've, I've known Joe, for, um, the speaker, for a lot of years. Um, I've, no, I've known uh, the governor. Uh, through his work with the cities and towns and also with Cumberland. Uh, so I think it's a very good relationship, uh, and, and I think that's why we, we accomplished what we accomplished because uh, we didn't have any kind of infighting at the time. Uh, so uh, it, it really worked out well, and I'm hoping that that relationship can continue. Where have you disagreed with Governor Dan McKee? Uh, obviously, there was some concern about uh, how the governor, and not necessarily Governor McKee, but how the governor spends uh, the coronavirus money that's coming in from Washington. Uh, a lot of our members, and I, I know a lot of House members, want to have more control over that, that money. Uh, obviously, we're in a pandemic situation, uh, so we didn't, we didn't know where, where the pandemic was going, and uh, we, we allowed the, uh, Governor Raimondo... Uh, to use her offices uh, to do what we felt was best for the public and help people who were really in need. Uh, we're going to see what comes in from Washington. We're going to see how we get to spend that money. We have seen some information that's coming in so far, uh, but we think that after, uh, uh, sometime in December, we'll have a real handle on, on, on the uh, Federal money. Well, along this thread here, Leader, um, you know, Republicans have been calling for months uh, the, for the end of the state of emergency, the declaration of the state of emergency. Everything's open. Uh, many people in the public are keep asking, you know, why does this keep getting extended? Do you think it's time to, to end? Well, there's certain things in the state of emergency that we need to ex extend out. Other things that the governor has been pulling back in his executive orders that he issues. So, so you're comfortable with the, the continuation of the state of emergency right now? As, as it is right now with the limited continuation of it. I mean, however, if the governor starts to expand and things are status quo here, then I think the uh, Senate president and speaker will probably have to have lunch and talk to him on that. <laughs> is there ever, I mean, how long though, you know, I, at first, I, my understanding when they rolled out the budget was that you all had ended the state of emergency right. with the changes to executive yeah. powers, but it turns out it's, some of them are ended, but some of them can keep going, et cetera. I mean, how, when will Rowan be back to just normal constitutional well, we, order? Well, we still have the coronavirus out there. There are still a lot of issues we're dealing with with respect to the coronavirus. We hear businesses can't get enough employees to operate their businesses that are opening up. We want to make sure that when, the, when everything comes to an end, everything's fully operating. But between now and then, we want to give the executive branch the authority to be able to do things so that he can keep people safe, healthy, and the state moving in the right direction. I mean, you saw a uh, report that came out that said Rhode Island is, what, number three or four in their 
corona preparedness and getting people vaccinated and things like that. I think in the long run, that's going to help the state out greatly. And, and you've got to credit Governor Raimondo and Governor McKee for the hard work that they did in continuing to push to get vaccinations. You mentioned the federal money, uh, Senate yeah. President, and I know that's, that's a, it's, everyone's talking about the $1 billion, and that's just the state's allocation of over $1 billion, I think. So you indicated, <clears throat> if I heard you right earlier, that there's a possibility you'll actually start to appropriate how that money can be used in the September session if it happens, rather than waiting all the way till you know next June when a new budget is passed. Is that first of all? Are we hearing you right that that's something you're thinking about? Well, that's that's a possibility. Obviously, we we could submit a supplemental budget uh, depending on what happens. We just haven't been able to make that determination yet uh, because we haven't seen anything from Washington. So uh, that is an option. Uh, but uh, uh, we'll have to see where that goes. It's $1.1 billion, relatively few strings attached from everything I've read so far. I know you're still waiting on the final guidance. You know, you both, you both have been up there for quite mm. a few years. You know the needs that you hear about consistently. Yeah. What comes right to mind, mm. I'll ask you first and you as well, Leader, for how to use this one-time money but a significant amount of money that you think could make a, a long-term difference for Rhode Islanders? Affordable child care. Uh, you have to get people back to work. Many of the people are females, uh, and I'm not saying that just females take care of children, uh, but if you have affordable child care, and there might be a number of ways to do that, you might get some uh, money from the federal government uh, for that specific purpose. Um, and uh, we could take a look at that on the state level, but uh, child care is first and foremost on our list uh, going forward uh, because that's how, if you. Just drive around the state. All you see is help-wanted help signs everywhere, banks, uh, restaurants. The restaurants are really hurt, uh, but that's, uh, that's something I think that could get people back, back, to, back to work. Uh, and then you've got to, uh, something where you can have all-day all K uh, uh, for, for, for kids, uh, and uh, that's basically daycare. The parents pick them up later, uh, so that's, uh, that, that's a possibility. Uh, we, we just don't know. We don't know the restrictions. We don't know all the restrictions that are coming in uh, from Washington. Uh, but we're going to take a good look at it. Uh, but as far as I'm concerned, that, that is one of my priorities. Anything else coming up a lot? You're supposed to canvass the members as a majority leader. Uh, obviously, the, we're waiting to see what the federal government puts the final restrictions on the, the money. But the issue that continuously comes up is affordable housing. We're hearing that People are going to getting notices that they have, haven't paid their rent and things of that nature. And I think in the next, within the next two weeks, the uh, restriction on evictions uh, is going to be lifted. Mm -hmm. I mean, at that point in time, we've got to make sure that we have the resources so that people aren't getting evicted out of their houses. People are able to live in their houses, as well as we have the situation where someone has a two-family house. They, they bought it because they thought that the second family would let them own a home. We want to make sure those people are taken care of. But affordable housing is certainly an issue. All right, Senate President, Leader, we're going to take a break on the program. Still a lot to talk about when we come back. Police reform and their political future. Stay with us. You're watching Newsmakers. Welcome back to Newsmakers. I'm Tim White, alongside 12 News Politics Editor Ted Nisi. Our guests this week are Senate President Dominic Ruggiero and Senate Majority Leader Michael McCaffrey. Senate President, one of the... Welcome back to Newsmakers. I'm Tim White, alongside 12 News Politics Editor Ted Nisi. Our guests this week are Senate President Dominic Ruggiero and Senate Majority Leader Michael McCaffrey. Senate President, one of the surprises uh, from this year, from this, I should say, legislative session, 
was the punting of Leobor reform. And so everyone knows what I'm talking about here. That's a law enforcement officer bill of rights, which is a law that regulates how officers are disciplined. And those who want to change from you know, police reform activists up to, up to police chiefs say it handcuffs their ability to discipline officers. And look, after the year that uh, policing went through nationally and locally, I would say, uh, and widespread support for the change, except, of course, with police unions, it was rather surprising it didn't happen. How come? Well, first of all, we did put a lot of time into this particular issue. Uh, if you recall, we had a task force uh, that sat down and was composed of uh, all the stakeholders uh, to discuss this. Uh, it was led by at the, the former Senator Harold Metz, and they came out with some recommendations, and we are supportive of those recommendations. However, I think there's an element out there that wants the whole issue uh, to go away as far as what uh, policemen's bill of rights. Well, uh, the minority community, uh, they call for defunding of police, um, but we don't think that is, uh, is appropriate right now. So, I'm sorry, we just had, to be clear, when you say they want the whole issue to go away, you mean they want, they want to abolish? They want to abolish Leobor, and that's a non-starter with you? Yes. Okay. How come? Yes, because I think the police need some kind of protection uh, when they go out, and I think uh, the body cameras. The body cameras are going to be a big help. Uh, in that particular issue, it was it did not fall under Leobor at that at that time, but once we started looking at the issue uh, with the body cameras, we feel that that would protect not only the public uh, but also some of the police officers that might be falsely accused of of doing something that they didn't do. So, but Senator President, the 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 bill that had the most support did not call for abolishing Leobor. Yet it was again, I'll use the word punted. It didn't happen. So. Uh, how, how come well, I think if you look at the commission that, that we had study it last year, they came up with three basic recommendations what to do. One is to lift the gag order for the police chief so that they can speak about issues initially when they happen so people are aware of what's going on rather than having it say, I can't make any comments so the public doesn't know what there is. That makes it more transparent. In addition, we, the increase the number of members on the panel from three to five and bring public members in onto that This panel. is sort of the quasi-judicial panel that makes a decision yes, on the yes, outcome yes. of an administrative then, hearing. And then in addition, allow for up to 15-day suspension rather than the, the current law as it is right now. Is that enough for you, leader, 15 well, I, days? I think that's, that's, that's enough. That gives the police chiefs a lot more authority and, and control over their departments at the initial level to discipline people right, right then and there. In addition, as the uh, Senate President said, we don't believe in defunding the police. The police out there are doing a good job. Every day they go out there, they're at risk. And you gentlemen know that as well. I mean, certainly a police officer today is different than a police officer 10 or 20 years ago. It's a, it's a job that you have a big bullseye on your back. And I think that uh, the bill that we passed for Senator Acosta about the body cameras is going to help out greatly. I mean, we saw in uh, uh, Providence last year where a a police officer had a body camera on, and the facts were the facts. Sergeant Hanley's case is what you're referring yes, to. Right. Yes, yes. Okay. All right, let's talk about <clears throat> politics. Um, and I'm going to start with you, Senate President Ruggiero. So you're up for re-election next year in 2022. Uh, sometimes you play a little coy about whether you're going to seek another term. Have you decided yet? Are you going to run again in 22? 
I am going to run for the seat of Senate and 4th Senatorial District. I love to serve the, my constituents, and I am absolutely positively going to run again. Absolutely positively. Yeah, absolutely positively. I'm going to pin that down. So uh, you had a scare in your primary last time. You had a progressive challenger, and you were far from the only senator to face one. You did win, but it was it was a little closer than some people expected. Uh, do you plan to redraw your district in redistricting so that uh, maybe you have more North Providence and less Providence? Well, redistricting is, is coming up right now. We haven't seen the census yet, uh, so we really can't evaluate what's, what it's going to look like. Um, I, I just think that was a different type of election. No one knew what to do. You didn't know whether to go house to house. I'm a, a door-to-door type person, knock on the doors and ask for their support. I couldn't, couldn't do that at the time. I was a little apprehensive about do, doing that at the time, and I think people were afraid to open the doors. So... Uh, it was not the campaign that I normally run, uh, but this year it will be different. Interesting. Okay. Uh, I have no reason to think you're not running again because you want to succeed him eventually, uh, Leader McCaffrey. I assume I have that right? I, I certainly would like to succeed him at some point in time. <laughs> and you're going to run again next year, therefore, because you have to be around to do that. Uh, I, I want to ask you about it, – everyone knows that the progressives made uh, gains in the Senate primaries last year, and it's shifted the chamber. Some of the bills mm-hmm. that passed were obviously more progressive than things that had pa- run in the past. You are seen as a more, you know, establishment moderate Democrat in the Democratic caucus. You know, how are you thinking about next year? Are you are you worried that a lot of your members who are who are more sort of with you in the more traditional Democratic column are going to be, you know, taken out by progressive challengers? Or do you well, think the, they well, were caught the, napping that last time? Well, the, the last election was a unique election, as the Senate president said. We're in the middle of a pandemic. It was a election process that no one had ever been through before. And people uh, campaigned in different ways. I mean, it shows that uh, over the course of time that the uh, running a primary is different today than it was even four years ago. You have a lot more uh, identification and uh, things of that nature. But we, we worked well with your call, the progressives in our chamber. We worked well with everyone in our chamber this year, just looking at the different pieces of legislation that we, we passed. And we passed a lot of good pieces of legislation early on in the session, like we said we were going to do coming out of our caucus. I want to talk, you brought up at the beginning of the program that uh, in, the, in the fall session, uh, judges will be front and center. So I have actually a question for each of you on that. Uh, you will be tackling them in the fall, it sounds like, if you guys come back. Is this, this, there's this sort of belief that there's this unwritten rule that the governor, speaker, and president take turns in picking judges. Oh, i got to find out about that. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, doesn't, that doesn't happen. Uh, uh, no, look, we may make suggestions. Uh, Senator McCaffrey might make a suggestion of an individual that, that would be qualified. Uh, and it depends. They have to go through the JNC. Uh, they have to go through the whole process. So uh, I Magistrates mean, don't. Magistrates do not. That's correct. So is that where this sort of round-robin selection kind of comes from? That's, that's probably where they get the notion that... Uh, but it's, fa- one, it's one, a one. false notion, is what uh, you're saying. Yes. Oh, oh, come on, Senate President. You can't tell me there's not horse trading around judges at the state house. Uh, look, I, I don't get into that. I am not an attorney. I don't benefit by that. So uh, uh, I, I'm, at a, I'm at a loss. All right. I'm at a loss. <laughs> you don't have to be an attorney to benefit from it. Just for the record, you are an attorney. Yes. Um, and we broke the story this week that the First Circuit, ju- uh, First Circuit Judge O. Rosary Thompson is essentially retiring, going to senior status. She I sent a letter yes. to the president. Um, that means Senators Reed and White House will select someone from Rhode Island, mm-hmm. almost certainly, mm-hmm. <laughs> to fill that vacancy. Who do you recommend? Do you have any uh, uh, suggestions for them? F- first of all, I'll say uh, Judge Thompson, I started as a young lawyer when she was in the district court, 
and she went to the superior court, and I practiced before in, in both of those courts, and, and she was a, a fair judge. She treated everyone fairly, and she, she made decisions quickly. Whether you like the decision or not, she made the decision and respected everyone. And, and I think she's going to be big shoes to fill because she did knock down a number of walls. Mm. I mean, she was the first judge in the district court, female uh, judge in the district court to be a, a minority, and, as well as in the superior court, and obviously in the First Circuit. Right. I so, mean, obviously, uh, Senator Reid and White House are going to hear from a number of different people who are going to want to be in that position, and I'm sure they'll go through a vetting process. Do you, do you expect the, the person, uh, it sounds like you don't want to give a name, but do you expect the person to, uh, to succeed her will likely come from the judiciary as she did? That's going to be a decision the uh, two senators are going to have to make. <laughs> okay. The only, right. the only senators they refer to are the U.S. senators. <laughs> uh, I, a, qu a question for you, Senate President. Actually, it was Tim's idea when we were talking about topics. Something you were concerned about a number of years ago, and I want to get an update from you, was the 195 Commission, the development of 195. Right. We have seen a lot happen there in recent years, but I'm curious if you think, you know, has it reached the goals you were worried about when you were speaking up and saying they needed more energy there, or do you still have concerns about how the development of that land is going? I still have some concerns, not as many as I had before. I think uh, a lot of the development in that area is moving along. Uh, I know there were three or four projects that uh, uh, they're looking to do over there. Uh, I just felt that early on uh, it, was, uh, it, it, it was kind of a slow process, and there was a lot of interest. I mean, obviously, we don't, we don't know where this, uh, the, the pandemic is going. I don't know what's going to happen with that particular area. Uh, but there is still a lot of interest that has been generated from there. So I'm hopeful that that's going to be part of our economic development initiative uh, for us to get back to the economy that we had prior to the pandemic. We have a little over 30 seconds left briefly since Providence is in your uh, district. City violence has been front and center. Should the state police help out here? I know that's been sort of going back and forth, but, the, you know, these are your constituents. What do you think? Uh, absolutely. I think they need a lot of help in Providence. I, I, and I, I'll attribute a lot of the things, uh, the, uh, the, the additional shootings that they've had uh, uh, to uh, the COVID situation. I mean, sometimes mm -hmm. I think people are a little COVID crazy uh, lately. Uh, but I, this is not a novel concept. They've done this before. The Providence Police and the State Police have uh, gotten together. And we, we got to go. I'm sorry, Senate President, <laughs> Majority Leader McCaffrey. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks we'll for see having you us. next week. Uh, on thank Newsmakers. you. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> I told you. I told you it had to be rude. Uh, <laughs> <right>. Okay. <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought he was doing a count next. Week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs>